Welcome to the Small Church Podcast, the podcast for church leaders who want to make a difference in their communities. We're your hosts, Tony Marr and Bruce Montgomery, and we're excited to be with you today. On this podcast, we'll be discussing the latest trends, strategies, and ideas for effective leadership in small-sized churches. So whether you're a pastor, a ministry leader, or a volunteer, this podcast is for you. Each week, we'll bring you interviews with experienced church leaders who have valuable insights to share. We'll also explore topics like team building, community outreach, spiritual growth, and much more. So if you're looking for practical advice and inspiration to help you lead your church with excellence, you've come to the right place. The Small Church Podcast is brought to you by Higher Ministries. Higher Ministries is an organization that exists to help Christian leaders in the churches they serve through coaching and consulting, all for little or no cost. For more information on Higher Ministries or to find out more about the Small Church Podcast, please visit HigherMinistries.com. Thanks for tuning in to this week's edition of the Small Church Podcast. Welcome, welcome, welcome to this edition of the Small Church Podcast. I'm your host, Tony Marr, and my co-host, Bruce Montgomery, is not with us today. He is basking in the sun in Florida with his family, enjoying his time there, and hopefully wearing all the sunscreen that he is going to need. I'm very excited about our episode today as I have a friend of mine, Robert Kell, here with us uh, to talk about being bivocational in ministry. And for a lot of small church leaders, being bivocational is not a choice. Uh, For many, it is a choice, and there are some great benefits that can come from that, and we'll talk through a lot of that with Robert today. But for some, it's not a choice uh, because of where they're at in life and where their church is at with with resources, some of the things that we've talked about before. Uh, And so I'm very excited to hear what Robert says today and some of the insight that he gives as he is very successful as both a pastor of a church and as a bivocational pastor uh, and being very successful and influential in the secular world as well. So, so Robert, thank you for joining us today on the Small Church Podcast. It's very exciting to have you here. Yeah, it's good to be here. That's a, a great intro, too. I love that. So a lot of good information there. Well, thank you. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> Honored to have you here. And uh, so you barely meet the qualifications of being a small church pastor. Uh, kind of the, the way that, that we identify that and classify that is a church that has a, a regular Sunday morning attendance of 150 or less. So you're, you're barely at that threshold with, with your church. Uh, why don't you take just a minute, tell us a little bit about yourself, about um, your role, both as a pastor, as a community leader, as a husband, a father, just uh, let our listeners know a little bit about yourself. Yeah, I grew up in Alabama, Roll Tide, and uh, that was, you know, just my life. And my, my wife and I met back in 97, and we've been married for almost 25 years now. We've got three teenage boys, um, and we met doing ministry. Mm-hmm. And listen, I met, I was uh, a middle school pastor at a, at a I guess a little bit larger church in Georgia, and she was one of the small group leaders, and we kind of connected and met there, and we have just literally, like, around the time we got engaged, we were almost, instead of, like, celebrating engagement, we went to a Braves game with a bunch of middle school kids, and so that has been our life, and we've loved ministry throughout the years, served in four or five churches, and um, recently kind of wanted to step into a creative space and stepped away from vocational ministry and start and got a, went back, got a school, got a degree in graphic design. God's sense of humor. I wanted out of student ministry, and I became <laughs> a photographer for middle school, high school, and college age uh, people. I got to do some other fun stuff with that, but then COVID hit a couple years ago, and 
Um, I joke everyone uh, took their first stimulus check and bought a camera, became a professional <laughs> photographer. And God just needed us to shift. And so coming out of COVID, he opened a door, got a chance to work with a couple of buddies of mine at the church I'm at now, uh, doing part-time working at the church as a bivocational youth pastor. And the pastor, uh, as, who was also bivocational, he was like, hey, I got to step away. And like, he's still at our church. He still speaks pretty regularly. He's like, I just can't lead this. And I feel very fortunate and blessed, Melissa and I both do, that God opened that door and we get to be in that role as the campus pastor. Um, we're a part of a church that's a network of churches. So we have three campuses in the, in the region where we're at here in Northeast Tennessee. And um, we're a huge support network. There's a campus pastor for each one, and then one uh, guy who oversees all of those. And all the campuses, we have some full-time and some part-time, uh, or bivocational, I guess I should say, at each uh, campus. So, yeah. Good. So you didn't intend to dive back into ministry. God kind of pushed you in. Yeah. In um, 2019, or I guess 2018, Melissa and I started feeling this kind of tug back into vocational ministry. We'd really just been serving in the church and we were coming alongside. Um, I feel very fortunate to have some of the gifts and talents I've got. So I was playing in the band and helping lead worship. Or uh, if one of the pastors was out, we were attending Northridge, the church that we're at now. Um, we were attending that one of those campuses. And in that we you know if one of the pastors was out i would speak and and just able to plug in and do wherever and in 2018 we started feeling this call back and god just opened this door that we started a home church at like the first january of 2019 where we were serving the arts and creative community and so we met for about 14 months before COVID hit and COVID just had a way of kind of slowing some things yeah, down yeah. a lot and um and I, I love our friends. Man, that was an unbelievable conversation, which that's a different conversation for a different time. But what we got to do and what we called Canvas, what we got to do in that space was great. But God just continued to kind of work in our hearts of, man, there's a next step. And so it took about a year just as COVID kind of continued to release out. But that door opened and we kind of stepped through and feel really, I mean, we love where we're at right now. So it's a great space. So have you, and in, in you said worked in four or five churches before, have you been full-time at a church before? Yeah, that's been the vast majority from the time I was in my early 20s until, you know, probably six, seven years ago. Um, I, the, the churches wrote my check, and that was the only, the only, you know, my only source of income. And so it's, it's definitely a different world, uh, having all the time, what you feel like is all the time in the world to write a sermon, send emails, check on the, the social media pages and do all the stuff. And then you remove a, a lot of that freedom, a lot of that time to implement because you've got another job that pays the majority. Very, I'd say very rarely do I know someone who's in a bivocational, co-vocational role that, that the church pays the majority of their income and they do something part-time just to offset. Usually the other job pays the majority, and so you've got to give the majority of your time. So it's really a different space, but yeah, the church has been my life for you know 20-some years. How do you see the difference in your ministry role in being bivocational as opposed to being full-time staff on a church? Yeah, it, man, that's a great, deep, deep, deep question. Um, and I think some of that comes with, some of this is going to come with age. So, you know, when you start something at 20 and now you're pushing 50, yeah. there's there's some some experience and some growth experiences and things that go, I have less energy now, so I have to be a little wiser. But I think that that... That transition is, again, that it's just so much of being able to grab a hold of that that schedule and understand how to balance. 
And when you're in the church, you just feel like it's everything is, you've got all this time and all these resources and all this availability. You can just jet out and go see and grab and meet and do. And now you're in this space where you've got this responsibility. And whether that's in a job where maybe you're the boss, maybe you get to control some things, or whether you're working at a place where it's an hourly employment and they kind of control like what day you can be there and what day you can't and things, it, it starts to create this tension and this hard um, navigation of how do I balance this. And so for me that I've had some flexibility and I'm thankful with that. Uh, my wife and I kind of made some choices over the last couple of years just to start getting up earlier and trying to do some things. And um, with that late for us is probably 10 or 1030, but it's trying to not stay up till midnight and trying to balance and, and focus that, especially with three teenage boys and being there for them. What are some of the benefits that you've seen in being bivocational? That that has been probably the sweetest part of the whole thing is the built-in relationships that you get to have in the community. I'm just speaking for for my experience. At times, I feel like it's really easy um, to go to go to work if you're full time vocationally in a church. Go home and you just kind of go, man, I've invested all day. But really your investment all day is a lot of times in the office with other Christians. You don't get out. You don't have to get out a ton. And now that more and more and more all of our resources and things are digital, we can just we don't have to go to Blockbuster to get a movie. So we don't have to build a relationship with the with the person behind the counter that's giving us recommendations for the film we're going to watch that night. We we don't have to do those intentional things, you know, because the grocery stores and Amazon and everybody else will ship all of our groceries right to our door. Right. Yeah. And, you know, the, the best, I guess the, the the biggest opportunity would be is that a certain grocery store might actually come in and put it in your cabinet for you. And so you can build a relationship with that person. But the UPS driver, the FedEx driver, they just ring the doorbell, walk on mm-hmm. and it's over. So when you're vocationally in a job that is that is not the church, you're you're with people every day. You're in these conversations, and and I think a lot of times you still bump into Christians. But the reality comes down to is they don't see you as pastor. They see you as coworker or underling or overling or however the leadership term would be for you know the boss, the coworker, the subordinate in in those roles. They see you as that person, and so you get a chance to you know, love God with your heart, soul, mind, and strength, your neighbors, yourself, go and make disciples, sitting in that space of relationally having to process that I'm not their pastor. I'm a, I'm a follower of Christ. I'm doing, I'm doing my best to love people like Jesus and lead them towards him, not just, you know, pastor. Everybody's like, oh, I'm, you know, I shouldn't speak this way in front of a pastor. When you're just another person, it's like, they'll say what they want. Yeah, you got to yeah. go, okay. When, uh, when I'm working with church leaders and when I've been in a leadership role uh, in churches before uh, in putting together job descriptions, one of the things that, that I do in my job descriptions for anyone that I'm writing for in ministry is we have a section of their job description called Margins for Innovation in Ministry. And it is part of their job description, is part of their requirement as a job that 15% of their job is spent doing something outside of the church in mm. the community, um, and 
it's within your passions. And so for a worship leader, maybe it's playing in a band that plays in coffee shops and bars on the weekends with yeah. some guys that, that are not even part of the church. Uh, if you're into athletics, it's coaching, you know, a local t-ball team or volunteer coaching, or maybe not, maybe you get paid to coach at the high school or middle school team. Uh, you know, something that gets you out into the community because we tend to just trap ourselves inside of our church and, and in the walls of that church and in the bubble, that Christian bubble that, that is created there. And, uh, and so with you, you are getting that opportunity to spend maybe the, the majority of your time out in, in the community, with the community, um, and with people that that's maybe a lot of them will never even step through the doors of your church. Yeah, and, and that's a space, too, to where there becomes this unique divide because you're not really, in that point in time, when you're, you know, in my situation, I'm, I, I kind of get to lead two organizations. I get to lead at my church, even though we've got, a like I said, one guy who oversees all the, the whole network. But at my campus, I'm the leader there. And then at my other job, I'm, I'm the leader there also. And so like, it's not like I'm going, hey, you know, we do this thing down here on Sunday mornings. Come hang out. Come be a part of that. It's, it's something where it's just the daily rotation thing of life. But absolutely, day in and day out, I get these things to where I'm, you know, members and people who are a part of the organization I work at, they're, they're just there. And so relationally, they're in my office. There's sometimes conflict. There's sometimes frustration. And I every day get to implement the things of Scripture to try, and, and I fail at least once a day. Um, and But I get to try and implement the things of Scripture into the conversations and the reconciliation and, you know, saying I'm sorry and, hey, I understand. And, man, I, you know, we really appreciate you sharing this and, and working through those things to try to create the best experience I can for people. And then at the same time with three teenage boys who play sports and play in music and theater and all these different things, we get to walk into a space after that where we get a chance to connect and and invest in people and love people and and you know, and that's where you and I met. I mean, we we met through theater. And then our kids end up on with two of our kids doing theater together, and then two of our kids end up on a baseball team together. Right. And so it was both of us in ministry and then met in these extra things that we were part of with our family. And so that's just such a big deal to be able to do. But at times it can it can really be draining too because you feel like, man, I just never get to cut and we shouldn't want to cut off Jesus. I don't I don't want that to sound that way. But I never get to just stop and exhale. Sure. And so I'm very thankful for the nights when I can just, you know, put Ted Lasso on repeat and kind of go through that. <laughs> Season one was great. The the rest of the seasons I wasn't such a huge fan of. Uh, we can different. We'll do a different podcast. Talk about Ted Lasso. <laughs> I I loved and cried and laughed through every minute of it. So it was so good. I loved it. So obviously some major benefits to yes. being bivocational. What are some of the challenges that you see? Yeah, um, I the hard thing for me. And my wife loves this, and I don't. Uh, and, and I'm just being transparent. It's really hard for me. Um, we all have talents and gifts and abilities, and so I feel very fortunate that speaking and communicating is something I feel like God's given me a talent and a gift for. Um, I, I'm in a space right now to where I feel like that 
you you work a full day and you come home and you're like, okay, Wednesday night, I'm going to do this and I'm going to come in and the kids are going to be at youth and my wife volunteers and I'm going to be at my, you know, my son's at worship rehearsal, my, my older son's at worship rehearsal, the younger two are in youth and I'm going to get this time and I'm going to, I'm going to plow through this book. I'm going to work through this video. I'm going to do this thing here and I'm going to really get the nuts and bolts of the next sermon or, you know, whatever down. And then all of a sudden, one of your kids ends up being sick or worship rehearsal gets canceled and, and, and your kids are like, hey, let's spend some time together. And you're going, okay, I need to be a father. I also need to do this. The time just gets there. And so I end up feeling like a lot of times that I'm praying through and working through these verses just throughout the day and kind of putting notes down. And I feel like that I'm starting to hit the keys to type things out a little later in the week than I would mm. want to. And my wife has loved that because she said, I have loved nothing more than seeing the work of God and the Holy Spirit in your life, knowing you've got four to six pages of a Word document that you're kind of turning through as you're going. And you know what you're going to talk about, but seeing God work and create inside of that is like my favorite thing. And I'm like, I need you mm. to pray differently. Like pray, <laughs> pray that worship rehearsal doesn't get canceled because I, you know, I feel really inadequate. Um, and that has been hard for me because it's. Not, I won't say that's not a feeling I have felt. I think that that's probably one of my struggles. I tend to feel very inadequate. I tend to feel unprepared, even if I put in ten hours on a sermon. I tend to feel a touch unprepared for that, and, and I don't have anywhere close to 10 hours to give to a sermon and to a, what we're doing on Sunday mornings. And thankfully, I only have to talk for like 20 to 25 minutes. Uh, our services are about 60 minutes total, so you take four worship songs, a welcome, a closing, and I got about 20 minutes, 25. And so thankfully, that's where we are, but that's probably the hardest, that's probably the hardest thing for me, and then probably equal to that, or maybe just below, and it probably should be above, but I tend to struggle with my thing the most, is I don't feel like I have the time to give, like our leadership team, whether mm. the, in our, the, the, the deacons that we have at our church, like I don't feel like I get to love and care for them the way that I should. The other staff, um, one, of, one of our staff is full-time, three of us are bivocational. Um, I don't get to just rally around them. The full-time guy and I, we can grab coffee super early before I go to my other job or he can come by my other job and say, hey, and sit in the office for a couple of minutes and we can chat about something. But I feel like that I let the congregation, I let the people, I let the leadership down. And those are just personal things. I don't think, I don't think for the most part anybody else feels that way. Um, but I'm sure somebody does. But nobody's come to me and goes, hey, we really have a concern that you're not shepherding the flock well. Um, but that's a couple of insecurities for me that I face and go through. So how do you deal with the the push and the pull from both jobs? And how do you maintain, I hate the word balance, yeah. um, because I don't think balance is, is really possible. Um, how do you find a rhythm that works for you mm. physically, spiritually, emotionally, um, when you have two very different roles, and then you throw in the role as a husband and a father and um, things that kids are doing, d demands from, from your wife, how do you find a rhythm in all of that? Yeah, um, so the schedule and getting up a little bit earlier has allowed me to do a couple of things and it allows my mind to to, to get to focus into some things and start to rest. I, I'm, I'm a pretty active, like I'm mentally very, very active. I have a hard time 
like going to sleep at night. My brain's just always working stuff. Um, Melatonin. I mean, my, my wife and all those things, and, and we are always got like um, oils like the like kind of <laughs> coming through. And she's like, this will help. And she's like, what time did you go to bed? And I was like, I don't know, 2 a.m. I'm like, it's just my brain won't stop and go. But I'm in those spaces. And, and so getting up a little bit earlier and letting my brain start a little earlier has been a big help for me. I do have some flexibility because my job, when it comes to my physical well-being, uh, my job is kind of around health and fitness and community involvement. So I, I don't get, think we've mentioned that, that you're the CEO of yeah, the YMCA. I work at a YMCA, YMCA in my area, and and it's just a really cool space because the, the C is there, and my board values that, and the community I'm in values that. And I, and I think actually, you know, Good gracious, how many denominations are there? Everybody has a little bit of a different view of a, of the sea when it comes to things. But why USA and what they do in Chicago? I mean, they talk about the sea and the YMCA. It's not something that's necessarily – they're not looking to remove that. Yeah. And and so I get a chance to, to, to play basketball with some members, and I get a chance to play some pickleball. I get a chance to hit an elliptical or be a part of a workout or some things like that. And so that helps for me to keep some cardio and some health and some things going there. Getting out of that work day, um, sometimes it, it, it's a lot. And and so mentally I'm trying to transition from one thing to the next and the calls happen. And, you know, you and I both have been answering text messages, but it's been a lot of text messages even today and working through some things because sometimes there's hard things. And when you're leading, you've got to be the one that's making those decisions and dealing with that kind of stuff. And so that transition is not always easy. I try and set up some time about two evenings a week when I know my family is going to be gone. It's something that I can't be at. Like I'll take my son to baseball practice with my computer and I'm like, okay, I'm going to sit here for three hours. Yeah. And you show up and the coach is like, Hey, do you want to throw a bullpen? And I'm going, <laughs> yeah, because I, I want to build that relationship and I want to serve those, those friends and I want to serve those coaches and I want to be able to invest in, I, I want to be Jesus to them. And, and you know, and sometimes the coaches know Jesus. Sometimes they don't. Sometimes they value faith. Sometimes they don't. Um, and and I get a chance to to be in a really neat spot there uh, and care for these young men and to invest in them. Um, and so it, I, it's it's a hard balance, and I'm trying to protect that. But a lot of my a lot of times it's it's that just I, I put those blocks in, but I've just got to be open to the fact that when I show up, nobody ever asked me to throw a bullpen. That's not my strength. But if they need me to do something, okay, God. I say no if I have to, but I'm trusting God, like, you know, what do I need to know? What do I need to do? And and that's walking into those situations of, okay, God, make let me be available. And if he wants me to be available, then I'll step aside. But I really try and be protective of Wednesday nights for me are a time I'm really, really protective of because it's about five hours that I can just own um, my job. The Y closes early. Um, everybody's gone, the pool's closed, I don't have to stress about anybody in a pool or anything like that, and I can just focus in on those things. That's been a big thing, and I really protect mm -hmm. that window. Something you just said, uh, I think, was a great point, that one of the things that we we try to look at, and it's actually something that, that we were going to discuss today, that now I'm going to pivot away from it a little bit, is, is this idea of, especially when you've got so many different things in life that you're trying to balance, is time management. You know, let's, let's block our schedule, let's be really strategic and intentional about our calendar and our times, and if you were to look at my calendar on my computer on my phone, it's color-coded with all the different things, all the different responsibilities, and this time is allotted for this. This, and this is allotted for this, and you don't interfere with that. Um, 
But if you look at Jesus's ministry, mm. uh, his greatest ministry occurred in the interruptions. And uh, in fact, I would say most of his ministry occurred in the interruptions. And I think the fact that you're open to that and you're not... So I, I tend to be so strict about my calendar that if anything interferes with that, it can derail me emotionally. Uh, and, and being more open to what God wants to do in those interruptions in our life and being more open and flexible to to what needs to happen in those moments where maybe things don't go according to plan. I always say I'm a creative, not an artist when I'm talking. And I think uh, the difference would be as an artist, I have these friends that I, if I need a project from them, I have to tell them like three months ahead of time when it's due because they're going to be like, you know, man, you're like ruining my art and like the vibe and I need to be able. And they always just want to sit in the art and, hey, I need this by like July 3rd. Oh, man, but, like, that's a timeline. I'm like, yeah, but we need to use it on July 4th. If you bring it in on July 5th, the event's <laughs> over. And and so, like, it's these moments of things. And I feel like a creative is someone who's artsy and and has that tendency and loves design and, and all the things that go with that, but also has some, you know, some leadership and owns a calendar and understands how to put, like you're talking about, they can actually color code a calendar and do that. And so in that creative space, I sit there. And so my tendency sometimes is even though I have a calendar is I want to go to my artsy vibe is I want to sit in the moment. I just want to let the music resonate. I want to let the film write itself. I want to let the design create itself. And, and so in that, I think it's something that helps me because right now in my life, when I'm, whether it's writing a sermon or it's working on our, our membership partnership classes or work leading the small group that I lead, I can look at these things and because I find these moments towards that artsy side that I've found ways to sit in and to create and to do, I, I also can hold on to that leadership side and go, okay. I, mean, I listened to a great podcast with Craig Rochelle and John Maxwell from a couple of weeks ago and, and, and just hearing John and Craig talk through, you know, just understanding what you have to do as a leader and a communicator and I'm going, okay, I've got to remember these points because what I want to do is I want to be available. Uh, I want to be, I just want to look for the party. I want to go hang mm. out with the people. And so it's, but yeah, I agree with you hundred percent. Like Jesus, man, that, that space of where he was just willing to go. I know you want me here. This is where the father needs me and I want to honor him and I'll get there and I'll do that and I'll make sure it happens. And sometimes for me, making sure that thing happens, happens between midnight and 2 a.m. Hmm. Um, and that's not always fun, especially when the alarm goes off at five, but I'll take those moments and I'll live in that space to, to be able to honor here. And, and I'll just tell you in the last year and a half as I've been, maybe the last nine months as I've served in both of these roles, I've seen God be crazy faithful. If I'm willing to be available in some moments where I feel like I need to guard he has just weirdly giving me, given me some spaces where he has provided, um, you know, a game will get rained out. So I get to come home five hours earlier and I'm going, wait a second, I wasn't expecting this time. So now all of a sudden I sit down and I get this, oh, this practice got canceled and everybody else is going to go ahead. They're going to do this with some friends. And now I get this. And so I love what you said there about the, about Jesus working in the distractions, working in that space. And I, I still think he accomplished all the other things he had to do. I've just seen God be so faithful in my life by willing, being willing 
to step into that obedience and the distraction and then him giving me the space later to do the structure that I need. I'm, I'm very big on self-care. Mm. Uh, it's one of the big things that in the guys that I work with and coach that we address every single time. How, are, how much time are you taking for you and for your family? Ministry is tough. Um, ministry is very demanding emotionally, physically. Uh, but one of the positives of ministry for most churches, not all churches, but most churches tend to allow space for personal health and personal growth. And so if you are, you have Wednesday night service coming up or you have a big event on the weekend, you know, skip out of the office for a few hours and go spend some time with your family, go take a nap. Um, You know, most churches are pretty good in understanding the benefits of a day off. Uh, With the the guys that I work with, I make them sign a contract that you're going to take two days off a week, and one of those, you're doing nothing related to the church. Really Um, a true Sabbath. Yeah, yeah, really a true mm-hmm. Sabbath. One of those days, you're probably going to have to do something. You know, you're going to have to do a wedding or a funeral, or you're going to have a meeting that's going to have to take place. So you're going to have some last minute sermon prep work. Yeah. But one of those days needs to be a true Sabbath. When you're working two jobs, a lot of times your secular job doesn't carry those same uh, principles. You know, they, they don't place the same importance on that. So, how do you take care of yourself? when you have these strict demands from from another job that maybe doesn't place the importance on personal care as your church does so i think one of the so i think there's two parts of this one there's definitely the personal the mental physical spiritual side of of taking care of yourself and in that space and then there's also the um the family, the relational side of that. And so, like, let me deal with that part first. I feel really fortunate that just from the beginning, my my wife and I, we've all, our, our boys, I feel like we could live in an RV. I mean, we have 160-pound Alaskan Malamute. I feel like the six of us could just live in a motorhome. <laughs> we really like each other. And, um, and that may sound weird to some people, but I think you and I both know families that exist with each sure. other. Yeah. But, like, we really enjoy life with each other. Now, my oldest son's 19 and he's a musician and his happy place is to sit in his room and create Ed Sheeran and John Mayer songs and, and do this kind of stuff. And so he tends to be a little more of a lone wolf, but when we're together, I mean, the five of us, we really love that space. My family understands because we're pretty open about some things and we have some conversations around it. They understand my schedule and they're very good to protect me. And they're, especially my wife, she will absolutely be like, we can't do this. And I'll find out a week later and she's like, hey, I I shut this down a week ago. I didn't even tell you. And we're going to go do this in two weeks with somebody. And I'm like, why didn't we do it last week? She's like, because I knew this, this, and this were going on and you just needed space. So, man, if you're spouse, if you're married, if not, find somebody, I mean, find somebody that can care about you, that can speak into your life that can help you navigate that because for me that has just been the fact because I mean I was talking the other day with accountability about some with about accountability with some friends and I just said look I've got a couple of guys if they want my banking information if they want my browser history I'll, I'll give them anything I've got I'll log into my bank account they can see anything I've got anytime they want they have a hundred percent access to my life but neither, none of them care as much about me honoring my wife me raising my mm. kids me being faithful to Jesus as Melissa does. And so she cares more 
about me being faithful in that than anybody else. So that's been huge for me. Personally, on the other side, um, I hate to read. Just I, I don't. It's not something that I grew up doing. A lot like washing cars or going to fitness centers. I mean, it's not like my those weren't values in my family's life. Um, so I don't, I don't love. I never read fiction ever. Um, and I think that my goal was to read like a book every month and a half this year. I had really kind of slacked off. And God just put me in this really fun rhythm, and I just, he put some books in my life that were crazy, and one I was talking about this here, John Mark Comer's The Ruthless Elimination of Hurry, radically changed my life. And I was able, by mid-February, I had read more books than my goal was the entire year. Hmm. And and so for me, it was just finding these spaces, I do things on my iPad and my phone, I can sit at a game, I can read through this. I can share thoughts with my friends and my wife and different people, um, and they're able to invest back in, and it's helped me to kind of go, hey, I'm seeing this. What do you see? And and I've just been really transparent, and I've had to kind of go, I'm seeing this in my life. Here's my concerns. I'm a pretty emotional person, so, I mean, it's not a surprise to my church if I tear up on a Sunday morning. Uh, it's not, you know, in conversations with people that are really genuine conversations, I'll sit and just... I mean, I, there was something that happened. This young 15-year-old kid passed away a few months ago, and I was sitting in my office one day, and like three people walked in, and they're like, you okay? And I'm like, absolutely not. And and I think finding that space, because I was walking them through kind of what was going on and what those parents, I mean, I'm sitting here now almost uh, able to hard, having a hard time, and I was walking through what's going on, they're like, wow, you're probably not okay. Yeah. And and I think being willing to say I'm not okay has giving, has given me, and that's been something that's hard because you're just supposed to be okay. As a pastor, you're not supposed to have flaws. You're not supposed to struggle. You're not supposed to have these moments. And being able to say, hey, I'm, I'm, I'm not okay in this, and I need some help, has given me such an opportunity to take some steps forward in that self-care because yeah, yeah. I need that. What have you seen the impact of being bivocational? What has the impact been on your congregation? I, I think it's twofold. Um, one, I think people really see the fact of, and they understand, and people have been, I think, almost more willing to rally around because they understand I put in as much time just about as they do probably in in the jobs. Occasionally there's somebody that just has some crazy job that's working 90 hours a week, and I don't, you know, they drive a truck for a a company, and they're on the road six days a week, and they roll in and come to church. It's there. That has been something that we've had a different conversation because I think they understand and respect. And and there's there's a lot of pastors I know that they want to be that bivocational. I would almost call it co-vocational. Like they intentionally, they don't want to be just bivocational. Sometimes bivocational, if you're there, it's like if the church grew enough, I'd, I would leave my other job yeah, and do yeah. this. Some people are co-vocational, and they're like, I intentionally am choosing to do this. I feel like it models after the disciples and Jesus, and they want to be in that space. Yeah. And I've got some friends that they like, Robert, I'll never take a full paycheck from my church for multiple reasons. But this is where that is. But I think people see that, too. And, and probably this kind of connects to the last question a little bit. When I know how stressed I am, it allows me to have a lot more grace for the for the children's worker who who missed who misses right. once a quarter. Yeah, and yeah. you're going, man, you committed to that, and you start. There's just always something behind the curtain, 
And when you can start to have conversations and you go, okay, I know what went on in my life and I do get paid a little bit to be here. And if I didn't, I'd have probably called in sick. When you start to understand, there's just a little more grace that comes with that. Yeah, I think I wish that everyone in ministry had to have a period of their life where they were bivocational, co-vocational, whatever you want to say, because I think it gives us such a greater understanding and empathy to the people in our congregations. Um, I can remember the first time that I was not working in a church um, where I had a role that I was on every single weekend. And I can remember sitting there thinking, I don't have to get up this Sunday morning and be at church somewhere. Um, I think I'm just going to sleep in. It's been a really long week. And yet when you're in full-time ministry and a key leader decides not to show up on a weekend, you're offended by that. And you're like, well, and then you realize, yeah, we had a really long week, uh, had, had a lot going on and was at the hospital last night, you know, and, uh, and, and so I think it really gives you a better perspective on the, the lives of your people. I think that our initial response, at least my initial response to saying what are the what's the impact on your congregation of you working another job outside of the church, uh, the initial thought is is negative that oh you don't have enough Great. time to put to them. But I really think there's more positives to it than there are negatives. Uh, I can remember when I was planting a church. And just because of the the financial ramifications of planting a church, uh, I, I was working another job as well because I had to. And I was still, I was the lead pastor of this church, much like you are now, but I can remember someone coming up to me afterwards, a guy that I, I had no clue who he was, I'd never met him before, and he came up to me afterwards and he said, I just want you to know that I'm coming to your church because you work another job. And he said, I respect that so much more um, than because you understand the plight, you understand the struggle of working outside of this, and you're not just stuck in your Christian community uh, 24-7. And that really changed my perspective on some things, other than the other fact of it that that I think multiple streams of income is always a great idea for, for anyone, especially in the church world that can be so fickle. Yeah. Um, no, I agree 100%. It's a, that's a really good thought. So how do you, what are some strategies that you have for how you can be effective, be as effective as possible as a pastor in a church when you're maybe don't have the time allotted that you would like to have to do everything that you want to do? Um, how do you still feel at the end of the day that you've been effective, that, that you've given your all to that ministry, to your church, to your people, to the kingdom, um, when you're maybe not able to put in as much time as you like? Because I know from conversations that you and I have had that you would love to be back full-time in the church someday. Yeah, I mean, I, don't, I definitely would not uh, be against that. I think it's just, you know, sometimes it's some things you feel called to and stuff like that, some things you want to do. But, um, and, you know, again, we love this season right now, and we have no clue. This may be our season. This may be what we do until we ride off into the sunset. And I say we because Melissa and I have always done ministry together. Um, I mean, there was a point in time we were transitioning between some cleaners at the Y. My family came in over the weekend, and the five of us cleaned the Y. I mean, like, it's so we do a lot together, and we are around those spaces together. But um, I think something that our worship pastor says a lot as we talk with people and we just, and when we're sharing and we're closing out a service and it's like, Hey, if, 
if you've got something going on, you know, we'll be up here at the end of the service. We'd love to serve you by, you know, if you want us to pray with you, just talk with you, please come up and don't feel like you're going to be met with judgment. You're going to be met with a lot of, yeah, me too. And I think that transparency for me has been probably the biggest thing of Mm. being able to look at people and go, man, I get it. I understand uh, something that our worship pastor's name is Gary. We just talk about the humanity side of Jesus. And I feel like the church for a lot, a lot of years, at least a lot of churches I was a part of growing up, talk about the bigness. And I don't want to forget the bigness of Jesus and the bigness of God and the work of the Holy Spirit and how big those things are and how sometimes not understandable they are. I mean, it's just real. I mean, it's, it's so big. But there's also this humanity side of Jesus that we sometimes forget and do. And he just lived in 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 the junk and the muck and the dirt with the people. And and he was just so transparent and so real and was able to share truth with them. And I think when we're when we are willing, and I know for me, when I'm willing, and that's all I can say, I can't really speak for myself or anybody else, but when I'm willing to be transparent and to listen and to be genuine and to start with a heart of love and and listening, not immediate judgment. There are some times that somebody gets deep into something and going, Hey, you might need to make a you might need to make a change if you want to see this come together. So there are times we have to have hard conversations. But the vast majority of the time, just being willing to listen and be transparent and be genuine, I think has given me such this unique space. And a lot of that comes from the fact that I know how tired, anxious, stressed, inadequate I feel at the end of a work week. Hmm. And I'm going, there's no way when this is a grandmother who's basically my age, who's raising her grandkids, like when this is a, a single mom, when this is a single dad, when this is a young couple who've been trying to have kids and they're working two set their jobs that are kind of seem to pull them in different directions and, and God just doesn't seem to be answering this. When you're facing all of these things, you're going, man, their life really is upside down and and I'm struggling with what I've got going on. And the worst thing I've got to do is to <laughs> the worst thing I've got to do is just kind of like make sure my kid gets to baseball practice at five thirty. It really brings some perspective to some different things that are going on. Yeah, Robert, I'm going to ask you a, a personal question, a direct question. Uh, so, a couple of weeks ago, maybe a month or so ago, you and I were getting together. Uh, I came to the the church where you pastor, and also the the YMCA where you work is in a larger part of a metropolitan area, but it's a small kind of community of its own. Yeah, about that, six thousand people, and and, yeah. and a lot of people, you know they're happy in that little community. And so even though it's a part of a larger metropolitan area, it's really its own distinct community. And uh, I was excited to come out there and sit down at a local coffee shop and just hang out with you some. And I didn't get to talk to you much because every 10 seconds, someone was walking in the door of that coffee shop that knew you. And most of those people knew you from your role at the YMCA. Mm -hmm. And so my question for you is how intentional are you when in the role that you have as the CEO of this this YMCA in this small community, and a, a vast majority of the community comes through your doors of the YMCA uh, several times a week, how intentional are you? How many of those people, I'll just ask it pretty blunt, how many of those people know that you're a pastor as well? How intentional are you about that crossover? I don't, I don't personally tell anybody 
Um, and it's not that I'm embarrassed by it. It's just I, I just talk with people and I'm and just kind of journey through things with with them. Uh, a local paper ran an article about uh, kind of a follow-up with me um, after I started this job. Hey, you're you're in, and again, you're in a small town. The news is sometimes they need something to write yeah, yeah. about. And so they called, and I did a follow-up article with them about some things we were doing and ended up being a friend of mine who um, I had worked with on some other projects who did the article. And so he had just, I mean, I think we spent like almost two hours by the time we were just catching up and the conversation probably a lot like this, just back and forth and bouncing. And apparently he had written, I mean, 1900 different things about my life and all hmm. these things in that. And so he, uh, and so some people would, we came in after that article and they're like, I didn't know you were a pastor. And I said, yeah, I mean, I said, I'm, uh, you know, it's, I'm done here at this, you know, the church in downtown and blah, blah, blah. And kind of went through that. And they, um, and they were just like, man, that's so cool. And nobody ever came to me and just said, you know, this this seems not right. It doesn't seem fair. Or, hey, you shouldn't be doing this. It was there was some conversations around. Once people heard, there was a few people that was like, "What do you think about enter whatever social sure. issue you want to bring up there?" And so I got to have a lot of conversations around faith and around some things that was there. I mean, I just I, I you know I remember a couple of things that were happening in the state and you know, this bill was getting signed or that bill was getting signed and I'd be working the front desk and helping out. And all of a sudden, an hour and a half later, four members are standing around and we've had a lengthy conversation. And so when people found that out, I think they felt a touch of a comfort talking to me about some things, or at least maybe trying to get my opinion to where they could then have an opinion about what type of pastor I was. But yeah, I don't, I don't ever just walk in and go, um, Hey, you know, this is what I'm doing. Like, I don't ever wear a shirt that has my church name on it, really. And I wear a Y shirt every day of my yeah. life. Hmm. So, except today. <laughs> <laughs> well, Robert, we're about out of time. Uh, do you have any final thoughts, any things that you would like to say to anybody listening to this today that, that I know we've got a lot of our listeners that also work jobs at Lowe's and Home Depot and the bank um, that are passionate about their churches and what they're doing there? Any encouragement, advice uh, that you would give to them? Man, I, I think that for me, the, the thing that I have learned in this is that transparency and you said self-care earlier those two things have been the biggest help for me. Um, there's so much hope. There's so much good that happens inside of bivocational ministry, uh, and it is not easy. Um, I, I don't, I'm not saying it's, hard, it's harder than someone who is full-time in a church. I just think it's unique, and if that is what you're doing in this season— and how cool is it that God feels like that you have that skill set, that ability, that um, that connectedness, that you can serve people in two spaces mm -hmm. in this moment? And I think that is such a big thing to remember that God has you here now. And if he has you here, he's going to be faithful in helping you, regardless of how inadequate, how stressed, how anxious you, your spouse, your family, your your buddies feel around it. God is going to be faithful in that space, and he's got you there for that season. That's great. Well, Robert, I want to take a moment to thank you for, um, for being with us, for joining us, for being a part of what we're doing here. Um, and we are very thankful for your time, for all that you uh, 
bring to your community, to the church at large. Uh, thank you so much for being here and being a part of this today. Yeah, absolutely. If you would like more information on what Robert is doing at his church, on insights into how you can be more effective as a bivocational pastor, uh, check out HireMinistries.com and be sure wherever you're at that you hit that subscribe button, hit that like button, follow us, new episodes every Tuesday morning. Uh, we look forward to being with you again next week. Again, want to give our sincere thanks and appreciation to Robert Kell and taking some time to join us today. If you would like to drop us a line, find us at higherministries.com. Send us your questions, your comments, any thoughts that you may have about this episode or anything else that you would like to hear on the Small Church Podcast. Have a great week, and we'll talk to you next week.